Hey guys, this is your Finning. Absolute pleasure to be here on the Punch Podcast. Hi, I'm Sky Nicholson. Hey, I'm Nicky Azu. Hey, this is Eddie Hearn. G'day, this is Jason Maloney. I'm Phil. This is Shotgun Sandra Connell. On the Punch Podcast. And points to you if you know who that I Am Feel guy is. Surely you can pick that one, right? Welcome to episode 29. This is it, the Punch Podcast with Jabin. It starts now as we creep closer and closer to October, which is jam-packed with fights. There's literally something on almost every night that's massive. So we are looking forward to that. And uh, one of those is going to be in Newcastle. The Entertainment Centre is just going to be a complete madhouse for the Super Saturday Boxing Festival. Now, all the info, all the details, nolimitboxing.com.au. And as big festivals have, headliners. Normally, festivals are reserved for the likes of David Guetta or some raging crazy DJs. But this one... We'll probably have music and entertainment. However, you've got the likes of Nikita Zoo taking on Dark and Dryden. You've got Sam Goodman versus Jason Cooper. Uh, Paulo Acuso has been banging to fight Farah Chevalier, and that one is all locked and loaded, ready to go. Plus, uh, you've got Dennis Hogan fighting for the IBO Super World Awake World title versus Sam Eggington. Now, Dennis Hogan was recently, the last episode before this one, to be here on the Punch Podcast. So today we're going back-to-back with Irishmen because there is another name on this Super Saturday Boxing Festival fight card that I'm hanging to see as well because, uh, look, he's always entertaining. He can really run his mouth, but his fists can definitely do the talking too. And let's get him into the Punch Podcast. Here he is. I am talking about the one, the only, Dara Super Foley. What's up, man? That's quite an entrance. This is a uh, bit of an interesting setup for a fight night, isn't it? With the party outside and inside and then 10 hours and 300 million people punching on. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to walk the whole dynamics of the thing. Like, yeah, how it's going to walk. All I'm saying is they better have that weigh-in from the top down because there's not a hope in hell I'm waiting around for fucking 40 people to weigh in or however many I actually never thought about that because oh, I've been I've been thinking about that, mate. That's that's the worst thing a fighter thinks about. Imagine standing there for about that they have to schedule the weigh-ins or something because there's no way they can see people. Imagine your last, you see everyone coming down with that lovely Gatorade and all the jellies in the field, and you just standing there getting PTSD from looking at them coming off the stage with the electrolytes and everything. Nah, nah, top down. That's something I've found very interesting about seeing the weigh-ins is they can get off that scales and within, I reckon, five to 10 seconds, trainers have got them having you know, the electrolytes and, and everything else. Is it that urgent? Yeah, 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 most definitely. But everyone, everyone does it different. Everyone has their own little way of doing it. Like you see some people, and again, you learn through experience. Like I see some of the young guys getting off and 20 minutes later in eating a lot. Of, you're not hungry. You're just toasty. Why are you eating a lot of shit for, you know? So you just got to get your fluids back into you. Yeah, but man, it's amazing. Like there's been times of, so what's what's the step up to the scale? Probably about that size. Yeah. And I've had to be helped on it back in my lightweight days. Like, man, I'm going to fall off this fucking thing. <laughs> but as soon as you get a drink of water, it's just like that. The pressure of making weight is being lifted off you. And it's like, oh, get a bit of water back into you. And, it's crazy how much you can feel like death before the weigh-in, but an hour or two after, man, you're sweet. Happy yeah, I think some fighters look grey and almost like a bit see-through. Like it's like they're really like gaunt and just not well. Yeah, 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 yeah. most definitely, man. You should look back to some photographs of me when I used to fight a lightweight. 
yeah. I was um, I was emancipated, man. I was like a junkie on the scales, but such is life. You live and learn, and uh, I ain't never going back there. That's for sure. How much weight do you put back on in the 24 hours? Does it vary from fighter to fighter, or are you? Yeah, it, it, it varies. It depends. Um, like, I remember my last ever fight, on my second last, my last ever fight, sorry, at Lightweight, I was fighting Brandon Ogilvy. And lightweight is 61.2 kilos, and I weighed in at 60.5, so 700 grams. I took off that, I didn't need to take off. Now, you're probably thinking, fuck, what's 0.7 of a kilo? But when you put it in terms of 700 mils of water that you're at the drain and out of your body, not to mention the potassium, the magnesium, all the shit that goes with it, you know? So I remember I weighed in there, I was so bad, man. I had to be taken to this clinic, put on a drip afterwards to get all my IV or UV or whatever it's called back into me. And then um, eating away like that. I remember waking up the next morning. So I weighed in at 60.7. The next morning I woke up and bear in mind, you eat loads of stuff, you rehydrate, but usually you're up in the middle of the night going to the toilet and all that, you know, it's passing through you because your body's not used to the big influx you're taking. Well, I woke up the next day and I was like 71.2 kilos. So I was out there putting on 11 kilos, like 10 and a half kilos. Crazy, man, 23 pounds. And then I was eating that day as well. But I got into the ring and I was like, I couldn't even move. I was, I'd put on that much weight. I got to training camp, it was probably about 66 kilos span. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm now wearing a 10 kilo rucksack. I was... I was disabled. I couldn't even move, you know. So you have to find the balance between not going too crazy, but, you know, regaining your uh, strength and all that. Yeah, well, I saw uh, Shakur Stevenson over the weekend just give up his yeah. because he didn't want to lose, I think, which was half a kilo, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roughly around there. 1.6 pounds, yeah. Yeah. So he so gave that... you a guy 300 grand or something, didn't he? <laughs> he just didn't give a hoot. He's like, no, I don't want my two-hour window just... Half of them yeah. going up anyway. Hey, that's a nice position to be in though, isn't it? Oh, Where yeah. you can just turn around and say, hey, take that take that 300K, mate. Nah, I ain't going back in that sauna. <laughs> I've done enough hot baths. I believe that's some of your tactics in the past and, yeah. and everything else like that. Wow. It's, yeah. uh, did you watch that for Yeah. yeah what do you make of it? I think he's very, very strong. I just think he's too good for the weight class. I don't think anyone can really challenge him at that weight, to be honest. I think he's just too far ahead of everyone else. So I think at 135, he's going to have a lot more pay-per-view fights. Do you know what I mean? Like in that weight class, there's no one of his star level. There's good fighters, sure, but there's no one of his star. So what are you going to do? Just keep going around in circles. At least he's now got George and he's got Loma and whoever else. So I had him for the stoppage. I had him round seven to 12 and it was the last leg of a multi. I needed that to come through. And in the sixth round, remember he dropped him at the end of the sixth yeah. with the body shot. I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, lovely. As soon as he got back to the corner, I was like, mate, there's no way this is going 12. That amount he was beating up on constant shell, but man, he was tough, that Brazilian. Yeah, I wouldn't say his wife's going to be too pleased. Fucking, how many low blows did he take, man? I'm not even joking. I could, And the referee's just standing looking. Yeah. Mm. He didn't have Look, there's been some uh, interesting things in the rings recently. And even to be honest, your last fight was was a fight at that, wasn't it? It wasn't boxing. There was a, an opponent there that was just trying to do anything to get his head on telly or something, I think is what yeah. you've said. So was that an interesting yeah. moment to be in when someone's sort of not essentially playing by the rules and it's like, come on, like we're here to... Oh man, it was 
So I've had 25 fights. I've never, I don't even know what was wrong with that man. In the, it, it was, it was surreal. Like in the, in the, what round was it? We got caught in the fourth round. In the fifth round, when there's like blood pumping down his face, he's literally coming at me like, Aah! and I don't know if you could have seen it on TV, but he's literally standing in front of me two meters away. I'm going to kill you, Foley. And I'm like, do it, boom, jabbing it, do it, boom. I'm like, do it with your hands. Don't tell me I'm going to kill you. I'm like, boom, eat that, boom, do it. Crazy, man. And then, uh, you see, I think he was just looking for a way out, though. He wanted to get disqualified because he couldn't do anything with me. He, what could he do? He couldn't box with me. He couldn't outfight me. So then he then he was just like, oh, I don't know what he was doing, man. I don't even think he knew what he was doing. Maybe he just had one of them moments where uh, he saw red. Well, he definitely saw red. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe all that. All the blood clouded his vision. He just went a little bit mad or something. Well, you are gearing up. We're only a couple of weeks away. October 8, Newcastle Entertainment Centre. Blake Minto will be in the other uh, other corner to you. What do you know about him and, and what are you preparing for on that day? Yeah, I've, I've obviously done my due diligence on Blake. Um, watched a bit of his fights and that. I think we actually sparred each other. I remember years back about, geez, would have been gone back about seven or eight years ago. Two boys came down from Newcastle and I'd done rounds with both of them. And then I, I can't really remember it, but yeah, and then I've just been watching uh, watching a bit of him. Yeah, he seems like he, he, you know, tough guy, kind of good Aussie level guy. I'm expecting him to go in there and he, he ain't going to stand me. So I'm expecting him to go in there and be moving about. He's kind of like a a more amateur style, you know, doesn't really sit down as punches, just blah, 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 and then mills, blah, 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 blah. So in this camp, we've been sparring lots of amateurs just to, you know, replicate that because I think I'll have to go looking for him, you know, I don't think he's going to stand and fight with me. Hopefully he does now, you know, but um, yeah, we'll see, you know. As I've been saying the past two fights, I've had back-to-back, there's levels, there's levels to this shit, mate. And um, Blake's gonna find out, you know. We can we can leave up to the promoters to talk him about him. That's not me. I'm just gonna give it in uh, black and white, you know. I'm going in there to show him his levels to this, you know. And I think one of those fights you speak about, obviously being Ty Telford at the Bankwest Stadium, which got yeah. round of the year. And I always sort of like, I, I think round of the year is fair enough because that means there's two fighters. But I also do think sometimes, let's say you got knockout of the year, there's an opponent who suffered knockout of the year and i always feel for that sort of person like <laughs> i got flogged that you yeah you shouldn't this is the fight game this is what we yeah. sign up for you know no nah, don't 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 feel sorry for someone you know this is this is the business man you know this is what this is what we do yeah and i think something like the ty telford fight for you that was something awesome obviously the the heat started down in bondi on the sands there and uh it turned obviously into the stadium there in Parramatta and it was one hell of a fight. When you're in those full-blown battles and you know that your opponent's going to be sticking around for some time and it's going to be tough on both sides, what's it like to fight in those when you know that you're in it but you can't get out? Yeah, it's um, it's weird kind of, you know. It's like there's so much chaos and there's like from the outside looking in, but when you're in there, everything just goes so slow. It's just like slow motion, you know, it's... It's it's almost it's gonna sound weird, but it's kind of peaceful in there. Yeah, right. It's just it's it's a weird sort of you know, the world's gone by and you're just in this moment, you know. It's it's actually beautiful. I'll be honest with you, it's a beautiful thing just to 
to to to be in that moment, you know. And um, you need a will and dance partner for that. He, he's he's a tough sob, you know, and he's gone on to uh, what's he now number one in Australia welterweight. Yeah. So I guess I'm number one in Australia two weights now. Eh? Hey, there you go. And you're about to uh, roll into Newcastle Entertainment Centre like the bad man you are, headband in tow, ready to, yeah. <laughs> to take it on. What's been some of the highlights over the years? Obviously, would Ty Telford's fight be up there with one of the best or is there something in your early couple of fights or even amateur career that stands out as, as one to remember for you? Well, I didn't really have a big amateur career, man. I only had 11 amateur fights and I won one. So I was a I was a perennial loser, you know. I'd, but I never trained really. I never I never um, fully dedicated myself, you know. So when I turned professional, I was like, "Fuck! If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it," you know. So now I'm uh, now fitness and stamina and everything that used to always let me down in fights is my forefront, you know. I can fucking I'm gonna when when I step into the ropes, say hey, I'm going to hell because, yeah. like I said, it's a beautiful, warm feeling when you're in there and it's up to you you can go with me or you can jump out the train you know so um i set that pace and i, uh, I stick with it because i know i can but um fights that stick out to me yeah telford would have been a good one because obviously it was fight of the year round of the year i suppose they couldn't give us all honors but it was fight of the year fight of the decade as some people were saying um there's been a few at the time we won the australian title I went up to my opponent's backyard, Miles Zalewski. He'd been talking a whole heap of shit in the build-up to it. So the silence him in his back garden was good. My fight over in Belfast against Tyrone McKinnon. The Battle of Ireland. What else? Everything, man. Every fight. I can't really, because I'm still in it, you know. Maybe ask me this question again in five years' time and I'll be able to tell you this one, that one really stood out, but... All of them, um, they're like your babies, and you ain't gonna say, <laughs> I, prefer the, "I prefer this one over that one." Obviously, the, the, I'm not too uh, keen on the ones I've lost, you know. But again, if I had been, you, you look at some of the fights I've lost; they were all close decisions. Uh, well, the last two in my opponent's backyard that could have went either way. So you know, it's not like anyone's ever. I've never been beaten up. No one's ever came and took it off me, man. You know, some yeah. people have run around the ring and didn't want to engage and you know but um yeah maybe my next one might, might be my highlight you know i get this knockout bonus and i'm uh, i'm sure it will be you mentioned your amateur career there 11 and 1 what i um i love about that is out of 11 fights you had one win but yet you still said i'm going pro like to me that's a conversation where if you haven't had the run you've had you're like well maybe it's not working but Ever since you turned pro, you've been super successful. No, I always, I always had skill. You see, the thing that, like, I never lost the first round. What would always happen was, because I wasn't very disciplined, I never ran. I didn't do road work. So I would tire, and then invariably my opponent would come on and then would win the second and third rounds, you know? So, um, yeah, it probably was crazy. Like, why, yeah, you're one and ten. Why are you going pro, man? And that's yeah. probably what some people was thinking, in their head but I'm a very headstrong person you know I don't let the opinions of of other people and you know dissuade what I want to do so uh I said if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna fucking do this proper and I'm not gonna you know be beaten uh by lack of fitness because at the end of the day that's 11 playing field say for example some people have a a bigger bone density they may naturally be more powerful than someone else but nobody's 
born naturally. I'm not born naturally fitter than you. It's impossible. It means I've walked harder than you. So if all oh, that guy's fitting me, no, nah, he's not fitting you. He just walks harder than you to become fitter than you, you know? So I was never going to let anyone beat me on that um, or lack of that again. So when I made that decision, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in. And I've been all in ever since. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Was the uh, was the amateur career in Australia or was that over in Ireland? No, it was in Ireland. First pro fight was Australia, yeah. So when I left Ireland when I was 20, 22, yeah. And I spent three months traveling around Thailand, Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Laos, all around it. And obviously it gives you a lot of time to think about, fuck, I'm going to the, I'm going to the opposite side of the world, man. What am I going to do down there? Like, I ain't got no qualifications. I had no trade. I had no anything. So I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to become a professional boxer. Like, I mean, Mrs. probably thinking, fuck, you're mad. I was like, nah, you know what? I can do this. I'm yeah. not, it left a bad taste in me mouth knowing that. I'd never really got out skilled. It was just, you know, a lack of discipline. So I said, said now nah, I want to give it a crack. I want to be someone. I, I don't just want a normal life. I want something different, you know. I want something where I'm in control of it, where the, the more I put in, the more I can get out. But I don't have to answer that anymore. When I can just be me and let me let let me out, you know. So I had my first fight in uh, Perth. Had three fights over there. Won the West Australian title. Then moved down to Sydney. Won the New South Wales Australian. All the other ones and. Yeah, here I am now. And you've crossed some big names across the time as well. I remember that great feud that you did have with George Cambosis. There's a great photo of it online. And uh, this was before George Cambosis was world champion. I just kicked Tiafimo's ass, George Cambosis. This is around fight six or seven, I'd probably say for you, wasn't it? Something like that. But how did that one kick off? Run us through the Dara Foley versus George Cambosis feud. So we was obviously the same division back then. I was lightweight. He still is now. And I was after winning the Australian title. I was after knocking out three Australian champions back-to-back, Mick Mlakic, Val Bork, and then Miles Zalewski, all in the space of 12 months on TV. So I was number one in Australia. He was saying he was number one. I was like, well, let's fight. Let's just do it. Like, we're born in Sydney. We can do this into a big fight. And I've been brewing for a while and all on social media, all talking and all this shit. And I'm about that. Like, if I'm saying I want to fight you, I'm fucking want to fight you. You know, I'm not saying it to try and build up interest and, you know, really have no intention of fighting it. But say I'm going to fight you, I want to fight you. That's it. So at the time, he was fighting just down the road for me, Alexandria Basketball Hall against Joe de los Reyes and a good friend of mine, TJ, was fighting as well, ex-IBF Super Bantamweight World Champion. And I'd been invited by the promoter to sit, um, to sit ringside with him and I knew he was planning on doing something afterwards with bringing me into the ring and having a check and saying the winner gets this. And I was saying, you know, what? I, I, don't, I still don't think this little check in me is going to be enough for this man to get in the ring with me. I was thinking to myself, how am I going to force this guy to, to fight me? And then I said, listen, we're boxers, man. We're, we're all red-blooded males. I'm going to have to shame this man into fighting me. So I was thinking, what can I do? I says, bing, it was like a light bulb went off. Right, huggies, three to six-month-old, boom. Went off the calls, picked myself up a nice uh, 48-pack. And then when he won, I just stood up and started firing nappies into the ring. Saying, come on, you little shitbag, take that. Take that, you little baby, little shit arse. Come on, fight me. Fight a real man. I'm number one. That's where that came from. If only No Limits was around back then, because like there wasn't the same stage 
You know what I mean? Like back then, like you'll fight me on Fox Sports, but it gets delayed and no one really watches it. No one really cared about boxing back then. But fuck, if some of the shenanigans that went on five years back and all that, it'd be, mate, it'd be, it'd be front page news now, you know? Yeah, it feels like the sport's in a great place. Does it feel like that as a fighter? It does, man. It feels with all these different, like the zone coming in now. Yeah. You got Tasman Fighters doing that thing. You got uh, No Limit, obviously. Um, leading away you know so it's 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 starting to heat up and you can feel it as well man you can you know it's getting that like for so long it no one really cared like you know they did but they didn't it was only a small percent of now everyone's cared man now everyone's invested now just walking along like people have seen you a lot more hey foley super what's up you know yeah. and if you look at i think maybe your last four fights you probably even including this one like even the venues you're fighting in are big rooms it's not rsl boxing it's it's on a big stage like Bangor stadium come on but then yeah. obviously horden newcastle entertainment center there's been a whole range of, of of big venues for you and some people just don't fight in those anymore because obviously you've got that level which is pretty awesome yeah 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 that's it man you you, you pay your dues and you got the big cards you do your thing you know what i mean i'm not a one to blow me on home but i'm fucking the most exciting if not top two fighters in australia you know and there's no question about that. So in October eight, you're going to see it at uh, Newcastle Entertainment Centre. Now we must touch on as well. Am I right in saying it's your birthday weekend as well? Yeah. Firstly, happy birthday, Super Foley. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Is it hard to to not indulge while you're trying to lose weight for a fight and train and all that other stuff? Because I'm sure you'd miss a whole bunch of stuff over the years as a fighter. You get a bit deprived of life a little bit. Yeah, no, it's not not really. Um, it's just the sacrifices you're making. I are used to it these days. This is me 26 fight, so there's always like a wedding, a birthday, Christmas. You always miss something, you know. But again, it's what you got to do man if you want to if you want to be a professional fighter this is the sacrifice you got to do man and i knew this signing up to it so it's not like oh give me a bit of cake fuck cake man i'll have all that shit in two weeks time you know i want victory that's what i want then everything else comes after that you know i don't really like cake anyway so nah maybe a nice uh cold beer or something wouldn't be bad now you know drop a whiskey but, um, Did you think your present this year might have been a um, a fight with Stevie Spark? <laughs> nah, that, that that ship's long sailed. Mind unwrapping that one and and <laughs> and doing some rounds? That would have been nice, but that would have been a birthday and Christmas and everything all tied into one. But like we were saying earlier on, that some fighters like to fight, and other fighters like to pretend they want to fight and just talk up shit and get people interested and. You know, whip everybody up into a frenzy. And, oh, this is finally going to happen. And then, nah, it's not going to happen because I never really wanted it all along. I just said I did to, with name association, put my name beside your name. And then everyone mentions this is in, in the same breath. And then I'm really not going to fight you, you know. So what can you do, man? Well, he's obviously facing a, a US opponent in uh, November. And then he'll be back at home. And who knows? You reckon you can get this thing made one day? Would you like it? Would if I know you said the ship sailed, but they all say that. I've heard Tyson Fury retire seven times this year. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's looking for December. If he wins, which I don't think he will, but if he wins, then of course we can get on. Let's do it. But if he loses, then why would I fight you? What do you bring to the table? We were men of fight. You were messing about for so long. And probably the reason now that we've had to fight someone like a uh, Blake Minton. In this fight, I don't want to fight Blake Minton. I said, I'm going to need a fight 
a bit of a lower level. I've been out for fucking 19 months, about two fights in nearly three years. So that was what Hunter Ione was. Okay, went in there, done my thing, boom. Let's get straight back to the fights that's going to, you know, push me towards the top. Then because the negotiations was taking so long with Spark and they were stalling and they were messing about, by the time that whole episode had finished, it's only like six, seven weeks to the fight. You can't really, you know, expect a real good opponent, maybe an overseas opponent or someone to... Oh, hey, seven weeks now, you want to fight, 10-round fight? Don't walk that way. So he's fucked me around. So why the fuck would I give him an opportunity when he's messed me around? If he loses the fight, you're worthless. You, you, I mean, you, you decide to go to America, take your money. So deal with the consequences. You win. Hallelujah. You know, you're going to... Well done. Well done. I'll tip my hat if you do win. And if you lose, <laughs> see you later, mate. That was your decision. You, you you really wanted to fight me, but you didn't. You decided to go for the money. Okay, so you gave your money, and now you really want to fight me again? Nah, you made your decision, bro. You went for the money, man. You can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it, man. You understand? Well, there you go. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> if he wins 100%, let's get it done, man. Yeah, if he one. wins 100%, let's get it done. And, I mean, if, if he loses, he's probably going to... Go back up to Toowoomba Bomba and keep fighting the guys he fights, you know? Who do you want in Australia? Well, I'll fight anyone, man. I always have and I always will. This fight is for an IBO title. Mm. The champion at that way is a Mexican who just went off to England and knocked out an undefeated English guy. So, fuck, man, if this is going to get me in the rankings, why don't we get this Mexican over here? Why doesn't No Limit invest in me and back me? And get this world champion over here. I don't know. Fuck. St. Patrick's Day falls on a Friday this year. Horn Pavilion. St. Patrick's Day. Friday, 17th of March, 2023. Me against the Mexican for the IBO world title. Come on, man. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the scenes? If No Limit can do that for me, then, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. But I'm not putting the cart in front of the horse unless I go in and do my thing against Blake Minto. None of this is... This is just a... Many times in the past, I've been always looking ahead. Oh, what's next? What's next? Blake Minto's next. Because if I don't go in there and do a number on Blake, then then there is no more. Yeah, well, we look forward to seeing you do that. October 8, Newcastle Entertainment Centre. Uh, he's feeling fresh. He's ready to go. Super Foley, thanks for stopping by the Punch Podcast. I'll let you uh, get back to... To sparring, getting ready and, and getting ready to, to keep moving in your career. Because like you said, two fights in three years, you ain't want to try and start ranking them up and banking them and getting yeah. through them. And we look forward to, to seeing you hold that belt and just add to the collection because you've already got a bunch anyway. So that cabinet is pretty good. You, you, you best believe man's already ready. Man is ready. Look at them bad boys. Jeez. I wonder if Steve Spark ran off to America. Is it looking at yeah, look. crushing the head in that? Like you're smuggling under there. <laughs> Dara Superfoley, thanks again. Thanks for the podcast. He's a great guy, isn't he? Good talker, and I do love uh, hearing him because he's one of those fighters that will shoot his mind and holds nothing back, which makes for a great podcast like today on the Punch Podcast. So a huge thank you for listening. Super Foley 1, you can check out his socials there, and as mentioned a few times across this podcast, uh, you can catch him in action No Limit presents Super Saturday Boxing Festival, Saturday, October 8, Newcastle Entertainment Centre, and along with those big names that are going to be there as well, Nikita Zoo's back in the ring, Sam Goodman, Dennis Hogan, Paul Alcuso, and that's the fight that he's been begging for against Farris Chevalier as well. So that's going to be a really, really good night of entertainment. You can obviously watch it uh, in person if you want to get your tickets, or on Fox Sports and KO, it is going to be live on there as well. So straight after footy, 
Chuck on the boxing for the Super Saturday Boxing Festival. That is the Punch Podcast done, dusted. Thank you for listening. If you have listened, uh, jump on there, leave a comment, rate the podcast. That's a huge help for us as well, and it goes a long way to uh, getting us in the rankings. See, the fighters need to get ranked, so does the podcast. So so jump on there, and uh, if you could do that, that'd be awesome. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 